0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mansters Podcast. Sorry about missing last week's episode. It was unavoidable, so here's what happened. I live in Iowa, and we had storms uh passing through here, and the wind speeds were up to a uh, hundred miles an hour. Basically, what all the reports had stated was that in Iowa we had a hurricane without the actual hurricane. And what had happened is even though it was short-lived, the storm was, it had caused a lot of damage to the area. And among the damage of all the trees that were knocked down and everything was that it knocked out power uh, for the entire city, uh, for multiple cities uh, to be exact. And the power was out for days, for days. You know, actually, in some areas, the power was out for a week. And so, with no electricity, I had nothing to power up my computer, my microphone, or any of that. And I don't really have any of this set up to be mobile to take it with me. Now, I guess maybe I could have recorded it on my phone, but then I wouldn't be able to pause and stop uh, as needed. Now, of course, I didn't have any cell phone service. So what had happened is after realizing how long it would be before the power would be restored is I took my kids and I took a two-hour trip to grandma's house where they still had electricity and which is very important, uh, especially for air conditioning. You know, it does get very hot here in the summertime. And so I was able to, you know, send out a message about there not being any episode last week by recording it directly to my phone. However, being at my parents' house, yes, I probably could have still done an episode, but, you know, doing it on the phone and everything, I wouldn't have had any ability to control how much noise from the kids would come through I wouldn't be able to really do a whole lot of pausing and stopping. And let's face it, audio recorded on a phone would just sound like crap anyways, right? It wouldn't have been a good episode for you to listen to. And with the way my setup is here at my recording desk, I don't really have it set where I can easily pick up the microphone and you know, move it. I have it on a boom arm, and I have all the cords uh, tied down. So maybe for future references, just in case something like that happens, I should work on a setup here where I can easily take the microphone off and get some sort of other microphone stand and be able to take it with me, so that you'll never miss another episode. However, I did not have that particular foresight. Now. I guess if I did, I probably would have been able to have my brother on and we could have done something like a comedy show. Cause we were just talking about all types of things, whether it was politics, whether it was, you know, sex and previous relationships or sexual blunders. And I do wish that I had a microphone to capture all of that. And because that would have been hilarious. You know, for instance, he was in the middle of an argument with his girlfriend. Yes, he's older than me. And, you know, the fact that he's never been married, he's probably going to be a lifelong bachelor, but he does have a girlfriend. And they were having a fight. And I asked him, well, what are you really fighting about? And his response was, "Well, I don't really know. And I'm like, well, if you don't know what you're fighting about, how are you able to respond? And (laughs) his answer was basically, I guess. I just try and guess what it is she's arguing about. Now, just to provide you a little bit of a setup here, the argument was happening over text message. And apparently a lot of their arguments happen over text message. And I know from experience receiving text messages from my brother, he can't spell oh, he can't spell worth a damn. There are times when I receive text messages and I'm there sitting there having my wife, you know, look at it as well and debating, well, what does this text say? I can't figure it out. It's indecipherable. So he hands me his phone to see the text message from his girlfriend. Apparently she can't spell either. So I'm trying to read the back and forth text message between these two, neither one of them can spell worth anything. And I'm going through and I can't figure out what either one of them is talking about. Right. And so looking at this, I just, I don't know what got into me, but I just looked at him with my professional coaching advice. Now I don't have any actual licenses or anything. I'm just a guy with a microphone giving you my opinion on sex, marriage and relationships. You know, based off of my experience and things that worked for me and things that I have studied, read and all of that. I don't know if, li- if licenses actually matter when it comes to coaching, counseling or whatever on sex and marriage, right? I, I find a lot of the psychologists to be, you know, largely BS, but in any event. So I give him my most expert advice. And that is to say, you know, two people who can't spell probably shouldn't communicate over text. (laughs) You know, he looks at me and starts laughing. And, And that's when I found out how much of their arguments happen over text and everything. And I'm like, There's probably a communication problem going on. And just because we're political and, you know, we get very much into politics, I decided to throw a a political analogy in here. And I told them, you know, that looking at this text message, it reads as if it's Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden trying to talk together. You can't understand what either one of them is saying. Although that did bring up an interesting conversation. What would a joint news conference with or roundtable discussion between Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi sound like? Now, this is not a political podcast, so I'm not going to get in, you know, to politics and everything on that. But if you're wondering what I'm saying, listen to both of them speak. you you would have a hard time following a conversation there. But after that conversation, we started getting into other discussions and I had him laughing uh, pretty hard. And I had a feeling that he was telling me stories, you know, well, true stories. I have no reason to doubt that they weren't true, just to get what my reaction is, you know, my sense of humor. So he was also relaying a story here about how years ago, you know, back in his 20s, uh him and the girl, uh his girlfriend at the time, you know, living together didn't have any curtains uh on their windows. Right? And there were times when, you know, they would have sex right up against the window and I'd be and I'd of course ask, Well, did you have an audience? You no know, But in any event he was talking about this one time where, you know, the the mailman had come by and looked through the window and saw what they were doing. And, you know, of course, the mailman at the time didn't say anything. But later on, you know, they ran into him and apparently, you know, the mailman recognized them and brought it up and said, you know, maybe you two should get some curtains, right? Seeing what had happened. And of course, his girlfriend was a little embarrassed at the time, which I don't get it you're embarrassed about some guy looking in the window, but you're willing to have sex with your bare naked body pressed up against the window. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't get the logic there. So he was talking about that. And then he goes off and asks me, why would he do that? Why would he be peeping through the window? And for whatever reason, I just happened to respond very quickly that maybe he didn't have enough money to pay for porn. You know, that peeping Tom is a condition of poverty that the peeping toms of the world just can't afford to buy porn themselves. So they have to try and get free porn. And this is some of the back and forth discussion and joking around that we would have. It was, uh, um, it was a good time. You know, I hardly get to see my brother, you know, a lot. You know, it's, it could be only once a year or twice a year. So when we get together, we like to just, Joke around and have fun about a lot of things. And I wish I could have captured that because trying to relay what some of those conversations were doesn't accurately, you know, go through in the retelling of it. It's funnier if you were just there listening, but I decided I would tell him my best story, my funniest story where I had the biggest failure in my life in the bedroom. And of course it was before I met my wife. I, and so, so anyways, uh, me and this girl, I don't even remember her name, uh, come to think of it. I mean, we're talking about a good, oh man, 15, 20 years, somewhere around there. You know, I was a teenager at the time. I'm 37 now, you know, take your pick right? It could easily have been 20 years ago now. Wow. Where does the time go? But in any event, I was retelling the story because it had to deal with my first, my first problems are the first time I had erectile dysfunction where it just would not cooperate. The old saying goes, the body, uh, the spirit was willing, but the body couldn't do it. You know, body wasn't capable. And so I was with this girl and I was going soft uh, pretty quickly. And I could tell that she uh, noticed that I was having problems and, you know, wasn't able to keep it erect, you know, and I was trying my damnedest uh, to keep things going. So in a moment of panic, I just reach off to the side and grab the first thing my hand touches, right? And I, then I proceed to use that thing on her as if I was, um, like a dildo. Yes, that's the best way to describe it. I reached for something, grabbed it and stuck it in her and started moving it in and out like a dildo. The problem was what I had grabbed. So are you familiar with the game? Sorry. And what the game pieces look like. Well, apparently she had she had a very large you know like 2 foot tall you know replica of the sorry game piece right and that's what it was but it was worse than that right it was worse than that because this was an electronic piece that had batteries and every time you pushed down on the top it would go sorry right? It would say, sorry, because that's the game it's from. So when I grabbed it and I started putting it in her like a dildo and moving it in and out, all of a sudden you would hear, sorry, 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 sorry. And I lost all composure and I fell off the bed laughing my ass off during that time. Now, I know for some of you, you know, if you go all the way back to probably my first few episodes, I have told that story before. To some of you, this is a brand new story. You know, you've never heard this before. You didn't go back and listen to the archives for when I told you that before. But needless to say, when it comes to sex fails that are hilarious, I have found very few people that can compete with that particular failure. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of this show. Yes, that's right. I said meat and potatoes as if I'm an old person. So in any event, uh, what I want to get on here and talk to you about is not putting ceilings on your marriage. And if you're not married yet, you can also translate this into your relationship itself. So don't put ceilings on there as far as this is the limitations of what I'm going to do. And whether this is sexually or non-sexually, you don't want to put ceilings on there. You know, you want your marriage to be able to continue to grow and you want to be able to go out and experience new things. You also, in not putting ceilings on your marriage, is you don't necessarily want to have predefined roles. You know, uh, gender roles, let's face it, you now, gender roles may have been something that was relevant in the past. But in today's society, there is really no room for the gender roles. And the reason why it made sense maybe in the past is because women generally did not enter the workforce, they were the home takers. And today, women are just as much an active part of the workforce as men you know and so when it comes to you know your marriage you need to both equally share in the household chores i mean, i do you know i go off and i'm constantly doing dishes laundry and cleaning the toilet and you know what or cleaning the bathroom but you know what it seems like laundry and dishes is a never ending story it's the one thing where no matter how much you do you never get caught up because by the time you get done doing it, more dirty dishes pile up, more dirty laundry piles up, you know, but in that there are other things that we do, you know, kind of going back and forth and trading off house chores. So, you know, you don't want to put ceilings on your relationships by going through and having defined gender roles. Now, if you're in a situation where one of you is a stay at home, uh, parent, stay at home spouse, then yes, the stay at home parent or spouse would be the one who would do more of the house chores. But I'm not sure there's a whole lot of stay at home parents. And when I say stay at home parents, I'm not just saying stay at home moms. There are a lot of dads out there who are stay at home parents. Right. So you got to first acknowledge that there are no real gender roles other than who uh, basically carries the baby for nine months and has to go through labor to bring them into the world. You know, that that is really the only defined gender role that is left. Which one has the seed? Which one has the egg? But other than that, there are no gender roles. Well, okay. Slight correction there. Feeding the newborn baby. If you're using breast milk, unless you're using a breast pump, if you're feeding straight from the tit, your husband, uh, boyfriend, or whatever your situation is, may not be able to assist much in that area. Right. But, you know, in putting ceilings on your relationship, you don't want to go off and say, I don't want to experience X. You know, there will be some people where the ceiling is, I'm not going to go off and experience going to a museum with you. The ceiling is, I'm not going to engage in your love of art or wine tastings or, you know, we're going to put a ceiling on, you know, what we do together. You know, and you can take a look at what those ceilings are. You know which one of you would be doing, you know, the business or the side hustle. I would suggest you work together on that. But you don't want to put caps on your relationship. You want your relationship to be able to grow unfettered, you know, without limitations. Now, when it comes to the bedroom, this also puts uh, into context that you don't really put a ceiling on your sex life. I mean, it is sad to go out there and think about how many couples, when they're in their sex life, where the ceiling is missionary position. That's all they do. You know, they just go off, get naked, she lies down, he gets on top, five minutes later, they're done. That is a very sad existence. You know, instead of you're going to all these multiple positions, you go into different rooms oral sometimes, sometimes not oral, adding in toys. You know, you don't want to put a ceiling on stuff that you, especially if you haven't already experienced. Now, it's okay if you've done something and you say, no, no, I don't like it. You know, you took it in the butt and you've decided you don't like it there. Okay. Okay. That's not necessarily what I consider to be a ceiling. Because you've already broken through that glass, right? You've already broken through and already went ahead and did that. You just decided you don't like it. And depending on when you got married, you know, what age were you? Were you in your twenties? Well, shoot, if you're in your twenties, you could have a good sixty years together. Do you really want to spend sixty years together where this is the limitations of your relationship? Do you want, you know, 60 years to go by and have so much that you two haven't done together? And this is where I'm not just talking about, you know, sex here. I'm talking about in all areas of your relationship because a ceiling is a limitation. You're limiting your relationship. You're limiting your bonding. You're limiting sharing your life together. And there should be no limitations. If there is something, ladies, if there is something that you can go off and talk about and have a conversation with, with your gal pals, your girlfriends, you should be able to have those exact same conversations with your husband, or at least be willing to. Now, there might be some things that he may indicate that he doesn't want to talk about, such as your period. You know, it's strange. Uh, the coloring's different. Uh, the, your cycle's uh, off, You know, uh, you know, readjusting or, you know, talking about, you know, treatments for yeast infections. Okay, I get it. There are some things, you know, that he may not want to talk about that you can only talk about with other women because They've gone through the same thing and you can compare notes as far as, you know, what the best treatments are. Okay. But outside of those particular, you know, conversations, which you should be, you know, comfortable having with your husband, whether or not he wants to have those conversations may be different, but, you know, you should be able to have those conversations. You know, when you're talking about spending the next you know, up to 60 years together, if you got married in your 20s, you know, you need to give all of yourself to your partner. And men, this is the same way. You know, if you're having a conversation with your guy friends, you should be able to have the same conversation with your wife. Your wife isn't just, you know, your sex partner that you split up the chores and duties of, you know, the house and raising kids with. No, they need to be your best friend as well as your partner. They need to be your best friend and your lover. I guess another way to put this is having a ceiling on your relationship, having a limitation on your relationship is you saying that you're not committing fully to your partner that you are holding back, that this is more of a partnership than a marriage, that this is more of a business arrangement than a marriage. So after listening to this, go back and analyze your relationship. Go back and take a look at how everything is going and have you put in limitation? Have you put in, you know, ceilings on your relationship as far as you're, this is about as the limits of how much you're willing to share with your partner and no more. Have you put limits on your relationship as far as things that you are willing to do together? If you have, then you need to go through and remove those limitations and talk about that. Talk about that with your partner and talk about how you can get about removing those limitations and have your relationship uh, have the motto of the sky is the limit. You know what? Scratch that. The sky is not the limit because you can go beyond the sky into space, right? So talk about where you think you've put limitations in your relationship and how you can go about removing them. And some of those limitations that you put into your relationship. Maybe it's not because you want to hold something back, but maybe it's something that's a bit of a confidence issue, right? It's not uncommon for women to, you know, have less confidence than men, you know, because let's face it, when women growing up, you know, women are very harsh to each other, very judgmental to each other. Oh, if you're not having sex, you're a prude. Oh, if you are having sex, you're a slut. Oh, you're a horrible person. This, you know, women seem to, in their teenage years, be trying to force their will onto each other and shame each other into compliance with how you, they individually think everyone else should be. And that could result in a lot of confidence problems. Now, men, on the other hand, they have the exact opposite problem. They have overconfidence. They have a lot of unjustifiable confidence, especially when it comes to things they've never even done before. Right? Have you gone through and taken a look at a guy, you know, a virgin heading into their first time? They, you know, they may feel anxiety, but the outward appearance is I'm the master already. I've never done this but I'm the master and I will be the best you ever had. Women go in there and go into their first experience scared that, you know, about hurting, of course, you know, the fear of pregnancy, which is justifiable, but also concerned over their bodies, how they look, you know, all the little flaws that I can guarantee you that the vast majority of men are not paying enough attention or not or do not have enough of a detailed eye for them to even notice what you consider to be a flaw. And of course, you know, while men are overconfident thinking, yes, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to rock her world. Women on the first time will be like, I hope he likes it. What if I'm not good enough? Oh, I don't know what to do. You know, what if I make a mistake? Yeah. So, I mean, confidence could be the source of the limitations that you have self-imposed on your marriage. And I got to tell you, ladies, confidence is sexy. A lack of confidence, not so much. You know, uh, for some of you longtime listeners, I've told you uh, this story way back towards uh, the beginning of this podcast, but there was a time when I was able to manage a threesome However, one of the shocking things about this threesome is that it was with two girls that had zero confidence in themselves. You know, it it kind of doesn't make any sense uh, looking back at it, but one in particular had zero confidence because the entire time that we were having sex, you know, she was trying to stay half covered and constantly repeating, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. I almost lost all motivation. Do you know how unsexy the lack of confidence is? So much so that even a that the lack of confidence can even turn a guy off during a threesome. Right? That's how unsexy lack of confidence is. You know, and maybe your lack of confidence, you know, involving sex could be around dancing. Have you ever strip danced for your guy? Or do you just think, no, it's too weird. It's too awkward. I'll look too silly. You know, it's all of that. Or maybe it's not even around sex that you have a lack of confidence. Maybe, you know, outside of the bedroom, as you're going through your marriage and you're going through and you need to make a decision. One of the decisions that me and my wife are taking a look at right now, and I'm trying to be understanding you know, about her personality, because, yes, you know, I've worked a lot on building up her confidence over the years. And in the bedroom, oh, yes, she can be very confident and very sexy at it. But outside of the bedroom, she's still unsure of herself and certain matters. You know, so, for instance, when we're talking about homeschooling our kids, you know, she's, on the fence. She doesn't know what to do. And I've talked about, okay, okay, if we go ahead and we do the homeschooling, and we're thinking about homeschooling uh, in large part uh, because of COVID, not so much uh, because we're afraid of catching the virus or, you know, all of that. It's more of the way the school is going to run things. Seems like they're going to run it more like a prison. I mean, yeah, you could take a look at keeping class sizes around 10, you know, but, you know, their activities, those 10 kids have to be around each other at all times. They're not going to interact with other classes, especially on the playground, which means they're dividing up the playground with different activities. Well, we know some of the activities our kids have no interest in and it really wouldn't work uh, too well. But the other issue is the mask, right? and wearing a mask all day. They, they can't hardly tolerate wearing a mask for about five minutes before they're not only complaining, but they're talking about how they're having problems breathing. And we're just not uh, convinced here that based off of how the school uh, wants to run things, you know, if you go for the in-person option, that it would actually be productive to the kids' education. Now, my oldest son is already, uh, fallen behind on his education. And he's a preemie and, you know, he was born premature and he's going into fifth grade now. But he was born three months premature and there were some complications with the pregnancy and, you know, he's on, he's, uh, on the higher end of autistic. And so he's fallen behind a little bit and, you know, part of it is the school has a financial incentive, you know, because they get more money for special needs kids to not necessarily get them caught up, you know, and that's been a source of frustration, you know, and it's really been uh, damaging to his own confidence. And we have been talking about, even before COVID, about the idea of homeschooling, uh, just you know, so that we can give him more individualized, focused attention. And uh, our other son, you know, he's, he doesn't have any issues. He just kind of lazy, not lazy, but unfocused ADHD, much like his father. And we were thinking that homeschooling, we could structure the education around. Now, we were going through and having this conversation And there is an option through the school for the kids uh, to be able to do part-time school, part-time home, only go to school one day a week and do the rest at home. or And I guess through the school, there is an option to do all day at home. Well, if we did all day at home, you know, it would go through the school's education plan. But if we pulled our kids out of school completely and did our own homeschooling, Which is allowed in uh, the state of Iowa, which, uh, which allows, you know, the parents to have complete control over homeschooling there without any oversight uh, by the state. You know, we found resources where we can design a curriculum and, you know, center around his education, give him the breaks that he needs when he needs it, get him to focus, you know, and, you know, work on getting him caught up. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about here is, well, if we do homeschooling, whether, you know, then what would be the difference between doing it through the school or us doing it as is? Well, if we did it through the school, they would have to get through uh, the workload by the end of Friday, right? End of day Friday, whereas we do, you know, regular, you know, homeschooling, we get to set, the, you know, the pace, you know, we could stretch it out uh, to have it all year round, you know, so that we can focus more on making sure he understands it. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that is going through there, but she's having a hard time making a decision uh, about what to do. And it's because of, you know, self-esteem issues. I mean, she's a high S personality if you're familiar with the disc profile. And so we're coming up on a deadline of when a decision is, needs to be made. And I'm trying to go through and walk uh, through it with her, explain, okay, you know what? If we do this, here's what we're going to need to do. You you know, you're going to need to be more organized, right? And we're going to need to communicate on organization. I already use uh, calendars to manage my day, right? I mean, if you look at my calendar, you would see that from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, everything is scheduled. You know, it is, and I've, you know, changed up my schedule a little bit. So, you know, I'm making sure to get more active on the website. I'm trying to get like three weeks ahead on the writing so I can ensure a lot of consistency. You know, so if I have one you know, day where something happens, like a storm comes through, you know, I have time to make it up and get back on track. But I have it set where this, you know, here's, you know, wake up, you know, and I have, you know, you know, on my calendar time set aside for my morning wake up routine, which could be, you know, some mornings getting up and doing some reading, some mornings getting up and going for a walk, right? It, it just depends on the day. You know, I don't want to go full bore into exercising every day. I'm not very, you know, much into exercising and I don't want to overpush myself. But, you know, then after that, I have my time schedule for here's when I record my podcast. Here's when I write the blog post. Here's when I'm taking breaks throughout the day. And during my breaks throughout the day, I've learned that I need to schedule my breaks and spend that time with my wife. There was a time that I didn't have a schedule and I was just going through uh, with things on the fly and I was horribly unproductive and my wife felt like she never got to see me. So then I tried to go, okay, you know what? I'm just going to work from eight to four thirty. Do not bother me. Well, it proved to be impossible to work those hours without, you know, constant interruption because I was home. Therefore, when something came up, she's thinking I'm available. Right. And the same thing with the kid. So by having that schedule, you know, and scheduling breaks, not you know, just I have a lunch break. No, I schedule breaks off and on, you know, short little breaks, 15 minute breaks, 30 minute breaks, you know, one hour long break, but I have multiple breaks throughout the day. And so she's gotten to the point where she's gotten used to that. Therefore, if something's coming up, she just waits until my break, you know, because I, I will schedule like a break every hour and a half. She can obviously wait an hour and a half for most of that. But I've told her that if it came to homeschooling, we would have to get together. I would have to revise my schedule and she would have to create a schedule. And then we need to stick to that schedule, which means just like every month when we come together and take a look at the budget for the coming month and come to an agreement on that, we're going to have to come through and Initially we're going to have to do this weekly where we come together and we say okay here's what the schedule looks like for the week all right what does your schedule look like what do we need to move around you know in order for our two schedules you know to fit you know and then as time goes on like everything else you know we'll only have to go through you know once a month because a lot of our days, you know, get to be predictable, but we'll be adding something new. And therefore, we need to adjust our schedules and communicate on those schedules. And so I've told her, you know, about this and, you know, that I would be very supportive and making sure she has the time that she needs to be able to work uh, on our two kids that are in school by keeping our youngest child off of her back, uh, keeping them entertained. And trying to go through and figure out which time of the day is best for the schooling. She's still having a problem deciding what it is uh, that she wants to do because she's not sure of herself and her decision. And I'm doing the best that I can to be understanding. But all of this to say is, you know, as someone with a high D personality, that's me. You know, it's taken a lot of time for me to adjust you know to her being a high S yes personality because I'm the type of person that can just go in hear a few uh quick bits of information and make a decision right she needs to take her time she needs to you know really kind of think about it in terms of conflicts struggles and you know just really unsure she wants me to make the decision is what it comes down to you know she really wants me to be the one That goes out there and says, "Okay, this is what we're going to do, and go do it." And you know, there are times when that is frustrating because you know, if, if we're talking about homeschooling based off of our schedule, she would be the one primarily doing the homeschooling. You know, so I need to know, you know, from her, can she do it? Will she be able to keep it up? Will she be able to handle it? And What we've come to as, you know, settling because, you know, trying to come to a compromise on this is we still got about two weeks before the start of the school year. And what we are going to do during that time is we're going to go ahead and start doing the homeschooling, right? You know, start it, you know, and give ourselves two weeks to figure out whether or not it is something that we are capable of doing. And then from there, make the decision, right? So, you know, ladies, you, know, you need to realize that you are with your husband, right? You should not be afraid to speak up in the relationship. You should not be afraid to assert yourself with what it is you want or what it is you think is lacking. You shouldn't be afraid to make a decision and tell him about what it is your decision is. You shouldn't lack any confidence in the bedroom. Right? Especially if you have kids, because he's seeing you at your, you know, least attractive moment, you know, and being in the delivery room. And he is still stripping off your clothes and wanting to have sex with you. So you shouldn't have any lack of confidence in the bedroom. But you need to Assert that confidence outside of the bedroom. And as you start removing, you know, or gaining more confidence and asserting yourself, you'll be removing the ceilings from your relationship. You'll be more, you know, uh, willing to make a decision, even if it's small decisions like where to eat. You know, let's face it, women, when it's when you want to order out, you already know where you want to get the food from. But you always ask him, what does he want? And then when he asks you the same question, you go, I don't know. And then you force him to list off every restaurant in the city until he gets to the one that you really want to get your food from. That is frustrating. But you do that because of a lack of confidence. So instead, just tell him, hey, I want to get food from this place. Is that all right? You know, what? Are I want to get food from this place. What do you want? Because chances are he doesn't really care where we get food from. One cheeseburger is, is as good as the next. You no, know, one pizza is as good as the next. So I guess I can go through and end this particular segment of the podcast or this topic of the podcast is by saying, the more confidence you have, the less limitations your relationship has. Confidence is sexy in and out of the bedroom. Believe it or not, there was a time when I thought this show would have been over episodes ago. You know, um, when I started this, I just wanted to get out a few things that I thought would help people. But I was thinking to myself, how long could a show like this last? How? how many episodes could I really do talking about sex and relationship before I just run out of things to say? Well, apparently I have a lot of things to say based off of my experience. And, you know, I'm a very opinionated person. And what it comes down to is I find out that on each episode, I only get through about half the things that I think about or want to talk about on the podcast. And there are some things that I move to other shows, other episodes, or say, Hey, okay, I need to keep this in the, you know, idea drawer for the next time I come around to this content. And so this really comes down to, you know, me starting to wonder, do I just keep at the pace I'm going with a once a week episode? In which case I apparently might not ever run out of content like I thought I would or do I start increasing the number of episodes that I do? I've already dropped things off of my calendar, you know, stopped things uh, that I was doing, activities and all of that in order to free up some time on my calendar so that I can start engaging in uh, written content on the website and starting to get into some designs for, you know, the merchandise store. You know, and if you want to go through uh, the merchandise store, uh, just go to, uh, sexmancers.com and see what's available, you know, mugs, shirts, hoodies, caps, that type of thing. You know, it's a great way to support the show. And, you know, <laughs> although, uh, I would wonder how many people would actually wear the shirts, uh, with the things that it says, but okay, you know, whatever, you know, just go ahead and check it out. But if I need to increase the number of episodes that I do, then I'm going to need to find other ways to clear up some spots on my calendar in order to produce more episodes. Or should I just keep it at the pace that I'm going once a week and have plenty of content to go through? So I want to hear from you on this. Do you like having a podcast? Because I know you listen to other podcasts as well on various subjects, you know, and a lot of podcasts are standard at once a week. And the standard format, and the reason why I only get through half the content that I want to get through, is that in looking at what the industry norm is, shows are usually a half hour or an hour long. Now, if I were willing to go for, you know, two hours once a week, sure, yes, I could get through all of the stuff that I want to talk about each week. But a two hour long show I'm not sure anybody would be interested in two hours in one setting. So I want to hear from you, go to the website, uh, sexmancers.com. And there is a link or a tab that, you know, says contact me, and it provides feedback. And some of you, you know, you're great, you provide lots of feedback, lots of ideas, you know, and I incorporate some of the things that you bring up, and address them on the show. And there are some times uh, when I get, you know, help me questions. Okay. And I do that. So I want some feedback from you. Do you like the current format once a week? Or do you want more episodes throughout the week? If enough of you want, you know, two episodes a week or three episodes a week, then I will start going through my calendar and figuring out what other activities. I can do uh, that can drop off. I'm always going to drop off only the activities that make less money than what the show makes. I Yes, I do other podcasts. I do selling on eBay, Amazon, other side hustles and side businesses. And as someone with the personality that I have, I always organize my day by what generates the most income to what generates the least income. So if you want more episodes and enough of you speak out, then I will find things uh, that I can drop off. But if you like the once a week format, great. Okay, so let's get in uh, to a couple of questions here as we wrap up the show. And remember, when it comes to me going through and answering questions from the audience, listeners, remember, I do not sugarcoat my advice which is why I think you come to me. Now, I know there's a lot of other people out there that try to give politically correct answers or sugarcoat it, soft coat it, or give you some fuzzy advice. Well, I'm just going to give it to you as is, you know, my unabridged, unfiltered advice. So only ask for advice as long as you can handle the unabridged opinion that I give you. Okay. So this question comes from anonymous. Now, I don't know whether I like the idea of people sending things in anonymously, but I get it. You know, maybe you listen to it with your spouse or maybe you know someone else who listens and you know, but if you're asking questions that are specific, they probably will figure it out and not, you know on their own. But then again, there are some questions that so many people face that maybe the whole anonymous is that, you know, so many people face it, they won't think it's directly you. Okay, so here's the question from anonymous. I have been dating my boyfriend for a little over three years, and he doesn't seem like he wants to get married or make a bigger commitment to me. It's devastating, and I'm afraid I am wasting my time if he one day just says he doesn't want to be together anymore. When I ask about marriage, he generally gets defensive or tells me that he wants to be a stronger or better couple before settling down. What does this mean? Am I wasting my time? Okay, so there's a couple of things uh, about this here. And that is, you may need to sit down and have a discussion over how you view relationships, how you view commitment. Because I have a friend here, a friend, you know, I've been friends with him since grade school. And he's, you know, he's not married, you know, but well, I mean, he's married in every way except for on paper, you know, which is kind of an interesting thing. So, I mean, he started dating um his girlfriend, or I, I guess by now, it might be common law marriage, but he started dating her uh, back in high school. And they've lived together since they were 19. And they had a child back in high school. Since that time, they've had two more children. So, they have three kids all together. They have a house together, you know, live together, do all the bills together, you know, do everything, uh, together, you know? And so they have all the indications of being married, except for they've never actually gone and officially got married. So this whole, whether or not you get married, you know, being on paper. Now I've tried to explain to him, you know, uh, and this is just my opinion that, you know, the only thing marriage would change for him at this particular point in time is his taxes. And the taxes would be better for him to be married. He'd get bigger tax returns and more tax deductions and all of that. And so when I talk to him about why he isn't married after Oh, 18 years of being with the same woman, having three kids and living together for the last 18 years. You know, I come at it, you know, from the point of finances because I'm not concerned that they're not officially married. So you gotta take a look at, you know, some people, they just don't go through the actual marriage. And part of the reason why they never really did, uh, the marriage part in the beginning, was because they just didn't have the money to have an actual wedding. You know, they were young teenagers, you know, or early 20s, just struggling to get by having, you know, a kid and and their finances, you know, was a struggle at the beginning. Now they're doing financially very well, you know, and so they, they just didn't think that they could afford the expense of an actual wedding well, me and my wife, we we didn't have a big, you know, wedding. We just eloped. You know, we just went to the courthouse uh, to uh, get married, right? But there may be some of this when he says he wants you to be a stronger or better couple. You know, you, you got to kind of take a look and ask him to define what that means. You know, is it because he's concerned about the finances? Maybe he has some debts and maybe he's overdoing the Dave Ramsey plan and wants to enter marriage debt free. So I don't know what the financial situation is and, you know, whether he's able to, you know, uh, come into the marriage debt free, whether he thinks that a wedding is too expensive and that he can't afford it. You know, maybe he's even concerned about whether or not he can afford the wedding ring. So, you know, this whole conversation about wanting to be a stronger, better couple could be coming from a sense of financial insecurity, right? That is one particular option. The other option is that for some reason, he's just afraid of marriage, or he just hasn't decided that you are the right person that he wants to spend the rest of his life with. And so he's, still gauging that and still keeping his options open. If someone he feels better comes down the way and, you know, not being married makes it easier to jump ship. You know, I mean, there's no indication that you have kids here yet. And so it may be that he's just not the commitment type or he's already, you know, or he's still in the position that he doesn't think that you're the one. And so you need to figure out which one of these scenarios it is. If it's an issue about finances, that is easy to overcome. You can, you know, talk about, you know, the wedding, you know, and talk about, you know, about being able to just elope. You know, how important is it to you if the, if the issue is finances to have the wedding dress, the big celebration, the family gathering? and all of that or is it just being married you know could you handle just going to the courthouse and getting married by a judge or you know maybe it's a you know religious thing for you that you know so could you just elope by just having you two you know two witnesses and get married by a priest without the big hoopla and celebration and all that you know and you can kind of talk about that or You could also, you know, put together, you know, a a wedding budget that you can both agree on, and then have your goal be that you save up until you can pay cash for your wedding days. And so, there's several things uh, that could be going on here, you know, related to finances, all the way to he's really not that committed to you. You're just a fun person for him. You're just a source of sexual pleasure. That he gets along with until he finds something better come along. So you need to figure out which one of those two situations it is. And then you basically need to either shit or get off the pot. If you're the type of person where you can't wait, that, that could be the case. Then you need to figure out, you know, how to pick yourself up and move on to someone who will commit to you or work things out. Now, Another issue here is three years. Okay, so let me uh, try and explain another thing here. I'm not really concerned too much about the three years. Maybe you just have different levels of expectation than him, because there are also studies that say the longer the courting period, the better the marriage and relationship can be, because you've really thoroughly vetted each other out and talked a lot of things out. Me and my wife, We dated for five years before we got married. Now, and that said, we didn't wait five years to get engaged. You know, so we dated for about, you know, I don't know, three and a half, four years before getting engaged. And then we were engaged for an entire year before we actually went ahead and got married. Right. So, you know, and I I think we have a very good, strong marriage as a result. You know, we have a strong, healthy marriage. And so, you know, you also got to wonder about impatience. Yes, I know there are some people that meet, get engaged, and get married within six months, okay? Yes, and, and there's people in those relationships that have very good marriages as well you know, and so maybe you just have different levels of, you know, patience when it comes to the marriage. Now, I know I'm giving you three different scenarios here, and maybe that's not very helpful, but you need to decide for for yourself first, can you wait any longer, right? If not, you need to move on. If you can, then you need to talk about it. Don't you know, come at him attacking, right? You know, and your decision of whether to shit or get off the pot, you know, you don't want to come up and go, why won't you marry me? Huh? I I feel really bad that you are not willing to get married to me. Am I not good enough? No, no, don't go through there. Just go, okay, you've stated that you want us to be a stronger and better couple before we get married. Can you define that? You know what you mean by that? You know, is there any other issues, you know, such as finances that you're waiting for before we get married? You know, you need to have a conversation in which you come at him with not accusations or accusational tone that will throw him into a defensive position, but as a tone of wanting to get greater understanding at what his hesitation is. And then you're going to need to judge based off of his response whether he's blowing smoke up your ass, and whether what he says makes sense if he's blowing smoke up your ass, then there's a good chance that you know you're just wasting your time you know, so that is how you need to go about and think about this you know and I've used you know the personal story about how me and my wife we dated for five years before we got married and at least three and a half years before we got engaged, and the and about my friends who have been together for you know eighteen plus years now with three kids and a mortgage and still haven't gotten uh, a married on paper, so you need to start increasing your communication and trying to understand you know the difference and expectations, but you need to define more what that expectation is, not just a generic, stronger, better couple. I hope that helps. Okay, one more question from a listener, also from Anonymous. I know, I know, I kind of tease about that, but if you want to send things anonymously, you can, right? Then that's not a problem. So this listener comes through and has a problem uh, with their dating patterns. Okay. It goes. I always seem to be really attached to men who seem, on paper, to have it all. They have a successful career, have a house, are r- really good looking and in shape, and has lots of friends. But the problem I am finding is after a few dates and after we hook up, I am super excited about the potential of having a future relationship and want to hang out more and more, while he seems to get more and more distant, and in some cases, really neglectful or rude. I feel so devastated. My mom says I need to lower my standards, but that just makes me feel like I'm not worthy of this type of successful man. What am I doing wrong? Oh, there, there's a lot of things that scream problems. In this particular question here. So you asked for it. So I give you my unabridged advice here. Now I want to be nice, but from the way this is written out, seems like the problem is you. First off, the type of man that you're going for and how you describe him. Are you going and selecting your dating based off of wanting to build deep connections, or are you just basically what they would call a gold digger? You're just looking for someone with lots of money to take care of you so that you don't have to work a day in your life. You need to kind of take a look at that and discuss or have a real come to Jesus moment with yourself, which is just another way of saying you need to be really honest with yourself about why it is you're selecting this type of man. Now, I know you don't want to date a You know, jobless guy living in his mother's basement. I get that. But, you know, you seem to be wanting to have the high successful, has it all type of person where you you seem like you want someone to take care of you. All right. But that's not the only problem I see here. The other problem I see is you're scaring these poor guys off. All right. So when you're still in the situation where you are dating, right? What is dating? Dating is you basically interviewing a bunch of potential mates to figure out which one you want to spend the rest of your life with. And the guys you are describing here are high D, high I personalities, the go-getters, right? Now, with you saying having lots of friends, I'm going to say that they are leaning more towards high I more than high D, High D personalities are more focused on tasks and less focused on people. All right. So you're going off and you're starting a, a dating relationship. All right? Now, these are very driven people. Now, you didn't say what your age is. So I'm just going to assume you're, you know, younger, you know, maybe still in your twenties, which these are high driven personalities that you're going after who are wanting to make as much progress. In the first five to 10 years of their career as possible to set the course for the rest of their careers. I, right? and what you are doing is you're scaring them off. You go off on a few dates and then you hook up. And then after you hook up, you're basically clinging to them. You want to dominate all of their time. All right? you want to basically separate them, you know, from their friends because they can't hang out with their friends unless you're around is what i'm getting out of this you're wanting to you know dominate uh, so much of their time that they have to you know scale back in their career and right now their focus is a lot more on their career and so you're going for these high driven you know personality types the really big go-getters and then you're presenting yourself as a needy person Who's only going to serve as a distraction from their career? Now they may, ha- you know, be having a plan where they plan on settling down later on after they've reached so much uh, into their career, a few years, you know, five to 10 years into their career. Then they plan to really start changing their focus more to family life because they made all that progress in the beginning. But, you know, I- I've seen this. Of times before, and it's happened to me. You know, um, you know, back, you know, back in high school, you're basically, you know, like a high school girl here uh, as you're going through here. That person that, you know, is so excited to have a boyfriend or a potential boyfriend that you smother him. You know, you smother him to death. You know, you you smother out the fire before you really get it going. You know, the and your attachment seems to be a lot after you hook up. So you have sex with the person, and all of a sudden, you're head over heels needing to spend every last moment of the day with them. Well, while you may be that emotionally driven, guys are not that emotionally driven. And these personality types that you are describing here are definitely not that emotionally driven. All right. So, what you need to do in your dating here is you need to scale back how strongly you're coming on, you know, especially after the, having sex with them for the first time. You need to, you know, get, let them have some breathing rooms and basically set it up where you're just, you know, I guess, not smothering them is the best way. You're coming on way too strong in the beginning. You know, and so you need to scale back quite a bit here and you need to take a more relaxed approach, a more casual approach to these relationships. Let them know that a relationship with you doesn't mean that they have to pretty much give up the uh, everything else in their life at the beginning. Now, I've talked a lot about, you know, you need to share your life. You need to be best friends when you're married. You need to be, you know, 100% dedicated to each other when you're married. But you're not married yet. You're just getting through, you know, what, three, four dates, right? You know, in the beginning, you know, and yes, I get the honeymoon phrase. In the beginning, you're not sharing every part and aspect of your life. That's what dating is for. It's the gradual getting to know each other. It is the gradual interview about the different parts of your life and personality and little quirks and deciding whether or not this is the you know right for each other. So yes, when I take a look at this, you're smothering them. And you need to back off a little bit. Give them some breathing room, All right? And so here's what I would suggest. You know, you go out on the dates. You know, whether you hook up or not is up to you. But even after you know you have sex, right? You don't want to call them the very next day and basically be like, "So when's the wedding?" No, 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 no. Oh, I should have muted the phone. I thought I did, but. Okay, whatever. Uh but you you don't do that. You you know, be willing to wait 2 or 3 days and then you know, let's say you hook up on a Friday. You know, maybe you know, um you have each other's phone numbers. Maybe you wait 3 or 4 days and then you go off and ask them, you know, on Monday or Tuesday, "Hey, what are you doing Friday?" Right? you're not sounding needy. You're asking them if they're available for another date, right? And then as the relationship progresses, you know, you slowly roll in more and more time together. Now, you don't want to try and make them choose between you and the career in the beginning. You try to find some time around their career, you know, for time to, build the relationship, but also time around the career in which they still get to spend time with their friends. You know, this is what the beginning is. Or maybe, you know, you slowly over the course of, you know, months integrate yourself into, you know, somebody who is around him and his friends. He still needs guy time. You know, time was just him and the other guys. Yes, but You can slowly incorporate yourself into that situation. You know, you you just don't go from zero to a hundred right out the gate, right? Dating, think of it like this. Dating can be more of a marathon and less of a sprint. I hope that helps. All right. So that's it for this episode. Yes, I've gone over the hour mark. I understand. But I still only got through half of the content that I wanted to get through. So I'll just go ahead and, you know, throw the rest of the stuff that I wanted to get through today and throw it into next week's episode. So thank you so much for tuning in and for your time and attention. And I will be back again soon.